What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. Happy Monday. Hope your weekend went well. It's a victory Monday. Um, And can I just say this, okay? I tweeted yesterday before the game started. It would be in the Broncos' best interest if they lose the game today. Big picture, best interest for them. What did they do? They go out and win. I just, when they should win, they don't win. When they should lose, they win. I, I should have expected this coming. But you know what? A win's a win. At this point, I'll take it. These are uh, very few and far in between these days when you're a Broncos fan. They upset the Miami Dolphins yesterday. What was the score? 20 to 13, I think it was. Yeah, 20 to yeah, 13. Cool. I mean, after that first interception by Locke, I was like, okay, well, here we go again. I mean, first drive and just boom. Uh, just right there and yeah i was still i was still out i wasn't home yet and i went to or no i was on my way to my parents that's what i was doing and i i was like five minutes away but the game had started so i i was at i was at a light pull up my phone turn on the espn app right look at that the box score all i see is 0 for 4 with a pick and i'm like this is going fantastic <laughs> yeah i mean that's how it Great started start, guys <laughs> first first drive i believe it was uh maybe like second or third play and he throws a pick and i'm just like oh my gosh and then after that he bounced back uh give drew lock credit but i mean on the on the day 18 of 30 270 yards a pick no touchdowns. He wasn't sacked, which is which is good. Um, that Miami, Miami defense did not look impressive to me yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like all, this whole time, we were talking about how great they were, and I know they that they're among the top when it comes to stats. But man, they could not stop the run. Uh, yeah. I mean, the pass game. I mean, they did a decent job, but still, Drew Locke threw for two seventy, and no sacks. That pass rush was non-existent. I mean, they had, you know, Tim Patrick go for five catches and 119. I get it. Most of that came on that long 61-yard catch at the end. But the Miami defense did not look impressive, and neither did Tua. I mean, 12 of 18, 117 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. and Or, excuse me, he had uh, 11 of 20. That was Fitzpatrick's stats. Yeah, that was. Tua was 11 of 20 for 83 yards and a touchdown, and he was sacked six times. Ultimately, it was a good win for the Broncos yesterday, and I think – that is the formula with a young quarterback. And I think we've seen that. And I was kind of going back and forth with our guy, Cameron Parker, last night about it. And, you know, he he was saying that, you know, Drew Locke flipped a switch. And I was like, well, I disagree. I don't think Locke flipped a switch. More so, Shermer flipped a switch. And was like, you know what? I'm done with three wides. I'm done putting you in shotgun. We're just going to load up on the running game and force feed these guys. And we're going to shorten it. Drew Locke was under center a lot more yesterday, and every time he was back to pass, it was essentially a play action. When he he made yep. good throws, it came out of play action, and it was him rolling out to the right or you know staying steady back there. They're keeping guys in, chipping, giving him time back there, and they're limiting his reads. You know, it's two to three man routes. He's not having to read the whole field. It's high low stuff. Boom, 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 not there. Maybe I take off. And he did that a couple times yesterday. I mean, he he rushed for two two carries, 23 yards. So I thought they simplified the game for him yesterday. I thought they didn't make him try and win the game against a, a stout defense, even though they didn't play like it. 
And overall, that's what you get. And maybe, you know, shocker, that's probably what we should have done this whole time. I mean, you pay a guy in Melvin Gordon as much money as you do. Why not use him more? And then you have Philip Lindsay. Why not use him even more? So overall, good win. Solid team win. I'm not buying into the hype that a lot of people are going to give this team that, oh, there's still hope. No, there's not hope. There's still four and six. There's still a bad football team. And at the end of the day, they, they have a tough stretch coming up. But again, we said this a few weeks back. You want to prove us wrong? You want to shut people like, you know, people like me and Brandon up? You want to shut us up? Do it in this stretch. Don't just do it in one game. Because all this looks like, if we're three weeks removed from this win, and they go 0 for 3 against the Saints, against the Chiefs, and uh, I think they have Carolina after that one, or the Raiders, one of the two, then it just looks like an any given Sunday win. That's all it looks like. So you want to go on a run? You got six games left. Go three and three, four and two. Shut us up. But I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't even want to say it's a good win because it's and, and not because you know both you and I prefer them to lose at this point. Um, but look, I mean, Tua got hurt. Yeah, he wasn't playing great. But he he was he was playing well enough to win. Um, I mean, he had more touchdowns than Drew Locke, so you know. Yeah, but he still uh, didn't but, play great. I mean, he only had eighty three yards and a touchdown. Uh, and they said that his his going to the bench was a result of his play rather than an injury. That's what um, Flores said after the game. Okay, I mean, sure, he he did get hurt though. I okay. That whatever. I mean, I don't think I don't. He took the the what hurt him was he was taking the sacks. Yes, and he was holding on. He was to getting the ball. beat up. Yeah, and and that was the problem. I think it was maybe more of we're gonna pull him because he's getting killed out there, and we don't want him to get seriously injured. That I think is more so, and and that's because of his play because he was holding on to the ball so long, he was getting hit out there so much. And, you know, what's the talk about Tua? Injuries, right? So I, I think it's more on that because he, he didn't – I didn't think he played poorly. I just think he was having a – I just think he was getting hit a lot and he was holding on to the ball too much. And to that point real quick, can I just say – and I know people are going to be like, oh, you guys are so negative. All you do is point out the negative. No, we just point out the full context. The Denver Broncos, I don't think it was a coincidence. Their defense was playing like – absolute garbage the past three or four weeks right against good teams they play a, a average at best maybe below average offense in the Miami Dolphins like the defense is good but the offense is actually not very good and they have a great day so take that for what it's worth sorry yeah well and and look at you know Miami had come in on a five game win, sh- win streak and I don't know if I said this on the podcast or not but this was a trap game for Miami. You you've won five in a row. You're yeah. coming off of two really uh, well. Are you I guess you're coming off the win against the Chargers, which was also a trap game, but that was at home. This is on the road, in altitude, coming from Miami. That that's a trap game, and so now I, I get it. Bronco fans are gonna be like, well, you know they you know the Broncos won. Why can't you give them credit? I because. It, Miami at, at, coming in was six and three, and they had one five straight. It's a trap game. 
That that's just how it is. If if the Broncos were on the opposite end and they went to Miami and lost at at six and three, what do you think Bronco Bronco fans are saying? Oh, it was a trap game, right? That's exactly what they would be saying. It was one hundred percent a trap game for Miami. And look, that's a playoff team. Credit to the Broncos for for winning the game and not blowing it at the end. But Drew Locke was. 18 of 30 for 270. That's fine, but there's no touchdowns. And they he had the really bad pick in the, early in the game. And he, they, you could tell, like you said, the play calling, they pretty much handcuffed him. And that's what, that's what he was able to give you. He was reduced to a game manager role. And I, I explained that to Cameron last night. I was like, listen, I, I don't think it's any you know coincidence the the reason he had success yesterday was because they reduced what he was able to right. do relied on the running game and defense and played field position and that's not a knock like young quarterbacks should have that assistance you know tom brady had it russell wilson had it for years i mean this is not a shock or like a knock on lock that oh well he's a, he's a game manager right now i think that's what you should be as a young quarterback unless you're like patrick mahomes and you just come out and you just have the the whole talent and thing put together by the way he looked great last night and led his team to a game-winning drive that looked super easy but brandon wanted to trade him no big deal that's just brandon to trade Hall of Fame quarterbacks, but anyway, that's, that's beside the point. Um, I don't think it's a knock against Drew Locke. I think that that's what like <laughs> I think that's what good teams do. They don't put too much on their quarterback, their young quarterbacks, especially right away. And you know, that's to your point. That's what Locke did yesterday. He was a game manager. Give him credit because he did bounce back. And I'm going to give the Broncos credit because they won against the playoff team. Was it a trap game? Yes, but they still had to go out there and win the game. Right, they see, exactly. Um, right. They but to, to sit here and say that it was like on the back of Drew Locke or that he like flipped a switch, I disagree because his performance, even though he had 270 yards, which is which is a nice total. If you look at the rest of the stats and you just look at the game in itself, I don't think anybody can sit there and say, oh, Drew Locke won those won that game for them because well, he, he did make plays. He did make third down throws. He made some big throws. Mm-hmm. But again, Shermer really helped him out yesterday, which credit to Shermer, because my goodness, man, you've been putting him in bad situations as well. It hasn't all been on Locke and it hasn't all been on Shermer. It's been a combination of both. Right, and we, you know, all this talk about Drew Locke and he's he's the guy or he's not the guy. I mean, I think he's proven the last three weeks that he is not. Honestly, all season long. And we talk, we've talked about, has he had any, you know, any big games, any flash games, games that tell you, oh, this guy is going to be the guy for the next 10, 15 years. He's had one, and it was against Houston a year ago. So, you know, and you can't look at this game and say that's a flash game because, I mean, just not even looking at the stat line of 18 of 30, 270, which is, which is solid, but he had the pick, no touchdowns. But just watching it, you could tell it, it was... A lot of hand-holding, which is fine, again, with, with the young quarterback. But at the same time, like team, like like Miami, they do a lot of hand-holding with Tua, right? Yep. Justin, sure Justin Herbert in, uh, in uh, L.A. 
they don't do a whole lot of that. No, he's just Not going really. out there just flinging right. that thing around. Uh, Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, and unfortunately, he's out for the year, and right. it really sucks. Um, but they were not holding his hand either. So, and, and that's probably what got Joe Burrow hurt by the way, is because they make him throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game and they can't protect him. Uh, that's on the head that, that injury is not on Joe Burrow. It's not on the offensive line. That's on the coaching. That's 100% on the coaching. And if Joe Burrow, for whatever reason, can't come back from an injury like this, and his career is kind of goes downhill. It's one hundred percent on Cincinnati, which really sucks. Sure, I think um, he'll be fine though. I mean, it's an ACL, but I mean, he's a quarterback. It's not like he's a receiver yeah, or anything like that, right? But but again, I when you get back, when you get drafted, then this is why people didn't want him to go to Cincinnati. When you get drafted by a bad organization. You know, I, things like this happen, and sure. and but that's the and name of the game. <laughs> yeah, you're a great but, player. You're you know, it's, bad too. it sucks. It, it sucks because certain franchises ruin players, and Cincinnati is one of those franchises. Now we'll see if Joe Burrow can can come back healthy and and whatever. But again, those those two teams weren't holding Joe Burrow's hands or Herbert's hands, right? They weren't even even Arizona a little bit last year, but towards the end of last year, and obviously this year, they haven't. The fact that we have to hold Drew Locke's hand in year two after how many starts? 12, 13 at this point? Year two, but I mean, he, he hasn't played a full season yet, so technically sure. it's still year one. Sure. Needing but an offseason. Neither did anyone else. Well, but he had an offseason the year before. True. He got to sit on the bench and watch. I think and you, you should have seen by now, not necessarily a guy that doesn't need his hand. It should held, have been the opposite. But you should see you should see progression instead of regression. And that's that more often than not is what we see each week is him regressing instead of progressing. Right. And it's <laughs> and it's and it's it's turned into, oh, we gotta hold his hand again. And that's an issue. So we'll see. They're gonna hold his hand next week. And probably the week after, and maybe they'll start, you know, with the with this tough stretch of New Orleans, Kansas City, then maybe against Carolina, they can start kind of loosening up a little bit. And if he reverts back to throwing two, three picks and being inaccurate, throwing off his back foot, throwing fourteen of thirty-one or whatever the heck it was, then you know that he is not the guy. Yeah. So we'll see these next three, four weeks. And look, if they, if they decide to hold his hand the rest of the season, then I think that gives you your answer too. Well, I wouldn't mind if they held his hand and because I think you have to kind of with a quarterback, you know, cater to, to what they need. And obviously drew lock needs to, to be, have his hand held, I guess. Uh, but like we said, this stretch of one, two, three, four, five, six games. Okay. There's five real teams and, and I'll even throw the Panthers like the Panthers on a playoff team, but they're a very competitive team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they put up a fight against teams like the chiefs and, and, you know, they, they could have had some good wins, but you know, they're a bad football team ultimately as well, but they're competitive at that. So you give them respect for that. I thought the saints might be 
uh, you know, an easier game for the Broncos. Not to say that they would win, but it would be easier with Drew Brees out. Taysom Hill looked great yesterday. So I don't know if that's going to be, you know, easier than, than having Drew Brees out there. Maybe slightly easier, but not easy at all. But you have five playoff caliber teams uh, that will most likely be in the playoffs. Um, barring anything weird happening with the Raiders, um, that's the only team, or excuse me, four, uh, Saints, Chiefs, Bills, Raiders that are playoff caliber teams. But three of the teams he's going to face out of those six, he's played awful against. And that's the Chiefs, that's the Chargers, and that's the Raiders. So, and then you go to a Saints team who, I don't know if they have the greatest defense, but they're a team that can put up points. So he's going to have to be on his game in that one to be able to keep up. And then you got a Bills team with Josh Allen. Talk about that game. You want to talk about a game where all eyes are going to be <laughs> on uh, not only Drew Locke, but Bradley Chubb? It's going to be that Bills game. Because if Josh Allen balls out against the Denver Broncos and Chubb doesn't play well, at least get a sack, and Locke plays awful, I'm telling you right now, the comments and everything of, oh, we should have taken Josh Allen, that's just going to be in full force the, the 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 following day but he's got a stretch here and so do the broncos you want to prove people wrong you want to shut people up you you complain about oh people doubting us and booing us okay well here's your chance show you're a real team because i'm tired of this back and forth of oh we're re- really good and you should be nice to us and all this stuff no prove it this is about production this is about what you put out on film and how you produce and the broncos haven't done that did they get a good win yesterday yes uh, but other than that, I mean, all their wins have been sandwiched, uh, been sandwiched by L's. I mean, three losses to start the season. You beat a bad Jets team. You beat a Patriots team who looks like they bounced back a little bit, um, even though they lost yesterday, but didn't practice for two weeks. And then you lose to the Chiefs after that. You should have lost to the Chargers, but you come back and win that one. You get your you know head kicked in by the Falcons, even though the score says you didn't. And the Raiders completely dominated you, in which they could have probably scored 60 in that game. And then the Dolphins game. I mean, you win that one. So is this going to be another pattern of, oh, a win followed by two or three losses? Or is this going to be win, win, maybe or win, loss? Definitely. They're not they're not beating the Chiefs. But maybe you get three wins. If they get three wins out of that. okay, you've changed my mind a little bit. You finish seven and nine again. Then I think that's more impressive than last year for sure. Right. Because no offseason, lack of injuries. You overcame a tough start to the season. Then, okay, then maybe that could win me back over a slight bit to the Drew Lock train, even though I'm pretty much full. Well, it off depends that game. on how Drew Lock plays. Exactly. exactly. And I think out of, out of those, how many games do we have left? Six uh, games. We have six games left. Out of those six, if he has two flash games, I'll take it. And then we go into next year and see what he can do. Exactly. If he can play well. And if they win it, despite of him, no. Right. It, it ha- he has to play well. It has to be it has to be the performance he had yesterday, 18 of 30, 270, and two touchdowns and no picks. Like right. that's that's what I'm looking for. You know, three twelve, you know, completing almost sixty percent or sixty percent of his passes and three touchdowns, one pick. Like that's what I wanna see. I don't wanna see And that's not every game. Not every game. We just need two or three of those. Give me give me two and a half, you know? And okay, then you win me back over to to at least to the point of, all right, let's give him another year. But if he looks bad, like I've told you already, if they and they've already surpassed my my win total, I thought they were going to go three and 13. So credit to them for getting four wins. Um, But if they finish around four or five wins, I still think it's a situation where everybody should be gone. I don't want Elway back. I don't want Fangio back. 
I don't want yeah, Shermer back. Um, Fangio can stay as a defensive coordinator if he likes. I think he's a great defensive coordinator. But other than that, I don't I don't want those guys back. I don't want Locke back. But then again, also, there's a caveat to that. If everybody's gone except for Elway and Locke is gone as well, I don't want them drafting a quarterback. At that point, you might as well just keep everybody. If everyone's not gone, then keep everybody and go into it for another year. But if we're going to clean full house, okay, cool. Let's go get a, well, we probably can't get a quarterback now because now we're probably going to be permanently between 10 to, you know, 15, 16, right. especially if they get another one. Whereas, again, they <laughs> they were on pace to get a top five pick early in the season. And then they could have, you know, they, with those losses, they were getting back on track to that. And now we're going to be stuck. Well, and they do the same thing every year. They fall to three yeah. and six. And what do they do? They win a couple that, it you know, gives them a little hope and drops them down in the draft. And that's what I told, you know, a coworker of mine Every yesterday. Season. He he tweeted out yesterday and I, I continue to be confused about this Broncos team. And I'm like, don't be believe the last four years of what they've shown you believe what history says. They do this every year. They get people's hopes up just enough to where you're like, Oh man, the potential let's just wait it out. Is they and, were three and six last year and they yeah, won two go dude, four and six. They've been they did the exact same thing in six, the last four seasons, including this year. I'm curious. Go back and look. How many of those four seasons did they bounce back and go four and six? Uh, probably, you know, probably most of them. I don't know. We we can I can look at that up right now. But that's that's what they've done. Four years. It's been including this year. It's been four consecutive years that they started three and six. Uh, last year they obviously finished seven and nine. Um, let's see. I'll, I'll go back and look at the others. But but they they do this. This is what the Broncos do. They give you just enough hope to where you're like, oh, man, we can rely on them. They're they're about to turn the corner. And then when you think they're going to turn the corner, the next year they come out and poop the bed. And they start the same exact way. I just I don't buy this team. They're literally going to have to prove me wrong until the Broncos actually physically make a playoff, you know, birth. I will be convinced that they are not a good football team. That's just what I'm going to be because I'm going off of history. Even the Super Bowl 50 year, that team had its issues as well. It's not like that team was, you know, great outside of the defense. The special teams was bad other than Brandon McManus. The offense was horrendous. I mean, they literally got carried and bailed out by an all-time defense. Uh, let's see. They started 3-6 and six in Week 10 in 2019. This was last year. Obviously, they finished 7-9. Seven, seven uh, in 2018, they finished 3-6. and six. They're going to a bye week in Week 10. They win the next three, so they finish six and ten. So one game less than last year. 2017. They're three and six at the week ten mark, and they get two more wins in their five and eleven. So they've actually improved year over year. Um, but it's still not great. So I just good win yesterday. Fine. Let's give them credit for that. They deserve it. Give credit to Locke for bouncing back and not completely losing all confidence in himself, but Listen, at the end of the day, believe what they've shown you to this point. Yeah, well, the team has lost confidence. (laughs) Right. And and that's a question I have as well is, you know, and they talked about this after the game because I guess after that first pick, Dalton Reisner came up to Drew Locke and gave him a hug and just kind of consoled him, you know, tried to lift his confidence a little bit. I'm wondering what is the confidence level of not only that offense, because we've seen at times there's bad body language from Noah Fant, from Jerry Judy especially, uh, Mm -hmm. Tim Patrick. I mean, there's bad body language at times when these guys are, especially when Drew Locke misses open throws, which, again, he did yesterday, uh, especially to Jerry Judy. Like, 
I feel so bad for Jerry Judy because he's actually on pace to have a thousand yards as a rookie with terrible quarterback play and multiple quarterbacks. Like that just shows you how great he he's is. Open every play, literally almost every play, and especially the deep ones. And Drew Lock just overshoots him every time. And I'm like, man, he could be literally having as good of a year as Claypool and Justin Jefferson in Minnesota if his quarterback just could complete a uh, complete a deep ball. Like Drew Lock has the arm strength, but he doesn't have the accuracy to get it there a lot of times. And, you know, you know what he's like? He's like when you, you first create a player in 2K and your your three-point rating is really high, but you don't have badges, so you can't hit consistently. Oh, but you hit that one, so you're like two of six. But that, that's Drew Locke. He just doesn't have any badges yet. <laughs> that, that's, that's essentially what it feels like. I don't think he's able to get any. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know if he will be able to. But I just feel bad for those guys. Um, but to, to, to bring it back to what I was saying. I just wonder what the confidence level is. Like if you got all those guys in a private room and you ask them, honestly, what is your confidence level in Drew Locke? How many of them would say, I believe he's the guy and how many of them and include the defense in this as well. How many of them would say, he's not it. I don't know if I can, I can trust in him. And I just, I think if we're being honest, I think about half of those guys would, would be on the, the other side, the not good side of, I don't know if he's the guy. I don't know if we can trust him to win games. And that sucks, unfortunately. But Dalton Reisner has confidence in him, so, I mean, that's that's good, I guess. So, I don't know. Believe what you see with this team. It was a good win yesterday, solid win. I'm not holding out hope. I still think they're a bad football team. I think the schedule and these next six games will play that. I, I think maybe they get one win out of this. Maybe it's against Carolina. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't win the rest of those games. Uh, or maybe they actually beat the Chargers too as well because the Chargers, Chargers like to give up games as well. They almost gave it away to the Jets as well yesterday. So, I don't know. It is what it is. Do you have anything more to say on the Broncos? No. I mean, again, it's, you know, we're, we're going to be watching this. Um, it's going to be the same thing next year. The, everyone's going to be back. It's going to be the same thing next year. So, Well, next year, listen, we have we if everybody's back – I definitely don't want any excuses. Vic's not in his first year. Locke's not in his first year. If Shermer's back, okay, you got another year with Locke. The defense is back. Well, I mean, there's a lot of free agents, actually. Um, but if they bring most of the parts back, okay, don't want to hear anything. You have no injuries. At least oh, I hope they don't. Uh, go out there and, and win. You should be a wild card team. With all that talent that you have, you should at least be a wild card team. But we'll see. We'll give them next year. Um... <sighs> on a depressing note, Jeremy Grant. Oh boy. The Denver Nuggets were blindsided uh, on Friday when Jeremy Grant not only left the Nuggets, but <laughs> took the same deal that the Nuggets offered and went to not only a, a lesser team, uh, but a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs in the East. And he went to the Detroit Pistons, for those who don't know. Uh, Jeremy Grant played a pivotal role for the Nuggets. In the regular season, it was kind of so-so. He only averaged like 12 points and like, I think like three rebounds. Like his stats weren't great. But in the defense, or in the defense, in the playoffs, he really showed his worth, specifically defensively. Uh, he locked down guys like Kawhi, made it tough on him, made it tough on LeBron as much as possible. And he looked like he would be a part of this new core for years to come, uh, it was reported that he had interest in returning, 
But then again, like I said, they, the Nuggets were blindsided when he decided to leave. I think it's three years, 60 million that he took with Detroit. And a lot of the things I'm seeing that the reason he decided to leave was he felt like he was kind of handcuffed in his role, that he wasn't able to grow, uh, didn't have much room to grow offensively and didn't want to be the third or fourth option. He wanted to be one of the main options. And, and listen, Jeremy Grant is a is a good player, a great defender. Jeremy Grant is not great offensively outside of hitting a spot up three and being hyper athletic and dunking on guys. His game is limited to pretty much that. I mean, whenever he was shooting off the dribble, I was like, that's going to be a clang. Whenever he was in the post, he's not girthy enough to like back guys down unless it's a guard. He doesn't have much of a post game. It sucks, you know, more power to him. You know, listen, I'm not going to hate a guy for, for doing what's best for him, that he thinks what's best for him. He also, I guess, is going back home. I guess he's from the Detroit area or from Michigan. I can't, you know, blame him for that. But man, this really sucks because the Nuggets were on to something and he was a pivotal part. If it wasn't offensively, he meant so much to them defensively. And I just, I wonder if in a few years from now, Jeremy's going to be like, man, I really regret making that move. Yeah, um, it's 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 unfortunate that he left. I I understand why he left, um, but it, it it puts it really does put the Nuggets in a tough position. The the Lakers got better. I wouldn't say the Clippers got necessarily better. Um, a lot of teams did though. I mean, Dallas got most better. Of teams did. Portland yeah. got really really so much better. Um, and honestly, I mean, we were talking about it just last podcast. We were saying, you know what? Western Conference Finals, even Finals. We could see that as real expectations for this team. Now, the Nuggets aren't going to be bad. Let's 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 like stop that. Like the Nuggets aren't going to be bad. They'll no, be a they're playoff a playoff team. team. But instead of being one, two, three, if no, they overachieve, the, the they might be the three. Yeah. But I think right now they're they're likely to be if they underachieve six. Uh, but I think they're they're ceiling is four or five i think but here's the thing here's the thing so yes jeremy grant we saw what he could do in the playoffs more specifically against the lakers with his one-on-one defense right that's that's what kind of put him in the in the conversation of he should be part of the the core right and why he got so much money other than that he is not worth that money. So he, as a power forward, he couldn't get more than three rebounds a game. And that drove me nuts. His shooting was inconsistent. And all he was as, as a scorer slash shooter was a three-point catch-and-shoot guy. So, look, the Nuggets went out and, and got Jamichael Green. He is more of a power forward. Uh, he's a good defender at the power forward position, which helps you against guys like Anthony Davis. Um, it doesn't help you against LeBron or Kawhi. Um, so that's where you kind of got to figure out, okay, because you lost Torrey Craig as well. So you don't necessarily have a defender for those guys. 
I don't know how they're going to defend the the great wings in the NBA. I I just don't know how they're going to do it. Right. And and we'll see. Maybe they're hoping that not necessarily MPJ can guard those guys, but MPJ can match those guys, right? Where now you're throwing out, again, a lot of this is really hoping, and I tweeted this out when, when Jeremy Grant left, you have to really hope at this point that MPJ takes a big step and Bull Bull is what is part of your real rotation and playing really well. That's where they're at right now because look, Paul Millsap is going to be a 10 to 15 minute a night guy. Um, especially in the regular season. I don't think he's going to play much and he's, you know, hopefully he steps up in the playoffs. But he's more of your veteran leader at this point, right? Which is fine. He's there, Udonis has them. Exactly. Literally. Which is fine. I I look, here's the thing. I said it last year. I thought, you know, when when they were down 3-1 against the Jazz and probably against the Clippers as well, they in my opinion, they needed a, a veteran to come like um the year before, uh, they had Isaiah Thomas. The year before that, they had Richard Jefferson. They needed one of those guys. They didn't play, but they needed one of those guys. And to me, Paul Millsap at that at that point in time wasn't that guy because he was playing so much, right? Now you have a guy in uh, in Millsap who I don't think is going to play that much. He's not going to play more than twenty minutes a game. He's going to play more, maybe ten to fifteen unless he's having a great game, and he's going to be your your veteran leader guy to kind of calm certain guys down and and whatnot and i think he's going to be great for someone like uh, a bull bull right or even a jamichael green or um or an mpj he is that veteran leader for those guys so now you need you really need mpj and bull bull to take their next steps and it's on them but it's also on Michael Malone. Malone cannot just go to his veteran. Look, he lost Tory Craig. He lost Jeremy Grant. He cannot just fall back on veteran guys that have no offensive potential. Or at least because Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig were essentially the same guys. I think Jeremy Grant was just a better defender against bigger guys. And that's really it. And he's a slightly better three-point shooter. Like, Jeremy Grant is a really good player. But I don't think offensively, you're really going to miss him at all. And so now it's, okay, because here's what they were missing, right? They were missing rim protector. They were missing um, just another uh, another big that can defend a guy like uh, like Anthony Davis. And I, uh, if if Bull Bull takes another step, there's your rim protector. And if Jermichael Green is as good as people are saying defensively against those natural power forwards, then they did get both of those guys. And if MPJ steps up, there's your third score. And you need again, you need Bull Bull to really step into. You know, and I know they got that uh, Hartstein guy, or or I don't know how to say, it, or what what's his name? Hartstein. Uh, what do you mean? They got a center. Uh, he's from, 
He was playing at Houston the last couple of years. Oh, I didn't see that. Um, he's seven foot one, seven foot two. Uh, if you look at his per, he didn't play a lot in Houston because of how they played. Um, but his per thirty six was like nine points, ten, eleven rebounds, couple blocks. He's another kind of. He's like essentially they they grabbed him. They're hoping that he replaces Mason Plumlee. He's essentially that type of player. So, you know, you go out and you get someone like that. Again, Isaiah Hartstein. Yeah, Hartstein. Um, so we it, it's more of it's more of okay, because remember when they got Jeremy Grant? It was like who? Right? And, and you had to kind of look at his tape and be like, oh yeah, this guy can play. It's just he didn't play a lot. Right? It was the same thing with um even Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley at the time was like, okay, but he he was frustrated on a lot of times, but he made a lot of great plays and he did a lot of good things for the team. They're back in that same situation where they're getting these guys that didn't play much on their original team. And it's more like, okay, who are these guys? But can they step into those roles that Denver wants them to step into? Can they play their roles really well? And I think they will be able to do that. I think they can. I think Michael Green can step in and play a good role on the team. Is it the same role as Jeremy Grant? No. They're going to miss that wing defender and they got to figure something out. Can this Hearthstone guy fit into a Mason Plumley role? Maybe. Maybe it's Bull Bull. Uh, you know, but again, going into this season, no matter what, whether they, lo- they lost Jeremy Grant or not, it was. Can MPJ take that next big step? If he can, it fixes a lot of problems. Yeah, a few things here. Um, I think, where do I want to start? It. What really sucks about Jeremy Grant leaving is not only the fact that, I mean, he was such a vital piece for the Nuggets defensively, but like with Golden State, what happened with Clay Thompson, okay? The Lakers, I think, got worse not like significantly but i think they got worse or maybe they got better in in other areas but i think they got worse defensively you lose dwight howard you lose Mm -hmm. danny green you lose avery bradley um like these are all key defenders for them yeah but you get marcus soul you get but he's not a defender no nor a rim protector um i mean he's big i mean he's he's like he's like great value Jokic at this point I mean, he could do pretty much the same things Jokic can, but he's way less athletic, and, and Jokic isn't very athletic himself. Um, but I think my point is, is like they they lost some key figures, and they would be easier for the Nuggets if they were able to keep most of that team together to match up against. They're not as big as they were, um, and it just it sucks because of that. I just felt like the Nuggets they could really make a push for that two seed or one seed, um, but then the the Grant thing happened, so so there's that. Another thing. There, I wonder if the Nuggets, in the short term, yes, this sucks, the shuffling of this roster um, and losing Jeremy Grant, but I wonder if the long term this may benefit them if things turn out how we hope they do. Because now they're kind of forced to give MPJ the keys. So, and, and, and not only that, they're forced to play ball ball at this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but so much rides on MPJ... Um, and taking this team over the top in that aspect. Like the Nuggets are always going to be, as long as they have Jamal and they have Jokic, they're going to be a good team. 
Now, where will they be in the playoff race? That that's that's you know to be determined with the roster around them. But those two, they can get you to the playoffs each year. It's just how far can you get with the guys around them? Um, MPJ is the key. Like <laughs> he can decide this team's fate if they can be a legitimate championship contender or if they're just going to be a good playoff team. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of forced now to live and die with his mistakes. There's going to be more growing pains, people. Like, it's just going to happen. And I'm telling you, I would not be shocked if next year we get a report in you know January. Michael Malone has to take a week off because his heart might explode because of the <laughs> Nuggets' defensive ineptitude. Like... I you you think his facial expressions on the bench now like I, I keep commenting on every every year there's always points in every game every game it never fails where Michael Malone he sits down in his seat and he looks up to the ceiling and he's like squinting his eyes his face is a little bit pink and red and he's like <laughs> please just help me calm down like I, I just envisioned him in his mind telling him it's okay Michael go to your happy place go to your happy place because he's just gonna explode that's gonna be times 10 next year because they don't have any defensive like you get Paul Millsap back he's a good defender but like you said I don't know how much he's gonna play well, well, we'll here's see what thing. happens with Gary I don't, <laughs> I don't know here's the thing funny enough I'm actually okay with what happened because Michael Malone, he likes to fall back on his defensive guys that can't score, right? He can't do that anymore. No. Because they're gone. Did you ever, have you ever watched Moneyball? Yes. And, and they were like, we want you to, the, the, the front office or uh, what's his name? Uh, the GM. Um, uh, Bean, something Bean. Yeah. He was like, he went to the to the coach or the manager, whatever, and he's like, I want you to start these guys. And the coach then responds by starting his guys. So what is what is what is Bean do? He trades his guys or he trades the coach's guys and he says, Now you're forced to play my guys, right? I don't think it was necessarily the Nuggets doing that on purpose, but it turned into that, right? Yeah. Of okay, Malone. We have you your starting power forward in Jamichael Green. We want you now you are forced at this point. I mean, I guess he could still start Will over MPJ. Yeah, I was gonna say, what if you started Jamal, but, Gary, Will, MPJ, and Jokic? But I think what what's gonna end up I, Malone knows and he I I think Will is gonna come off the bench. I think at this point. The starting pos- the starting spot is MPJ's to lose. Okay, if MPJ isn't playing how Malone wants him to play, then he will be coming off the bench. But it's it's that would MPJ's- be the worst possible thing. He he but cannot. It, you have to it, ride with his his mistakes next year. You can't bench him. Like he has to play. He has to start, and you just have to live with. But if what, he's not if he's not playing well, he's gonna get benched. I know, but that's like the reality that's, just, that's dumb to me. That is dumb. But, then this team but, will go again, down the hole. He's, but it's not like MPJ is not going to play. And the other thing is, you lost Plumley, you lost Grant, you lost Tory, right? Bobo has to play at this point. So unless unless the hard sign guy plays and and he looks really good, but even then, I think Bobo will play because I don't know if you really want Bobo at your center. So I I think Bobo is also in a position where, or Malone is also in a position where he has to play Bobo. So it's it's almost like 
like plan A didn't work, so now we're gonna force you to to kind of play the young guys and make sure these guys let's see what these guys can do. And with Jeremy Grant going to Detroit, there was a lot of rumors of uh, Blake Griffin coming back, right, coming to Denver. That didn't happen because Denver got a $9.5 million trade exception. They can, again, they are going to be really, really, really big buyers by the trade deadline. If someone is comes available, like a Bradley Beal, or again, it would take a lot to get Bradley Beal, but, uh, or um, let's say a... I don't know, a Kevin Love becomes available. Or a I don't I'm just trying to think of yeah. I, I don't really know. We again we don't know. Someone right. but someone might come available. Giannis if he's unhappy. <laughs> and they can make a trade to do so and and kind of fill in a hole that, that they don't have right now. And if they're like if MPJ halfway through this or by the trade deadline we're still kind of like okay, he's had good moments, but not he's not been consistent and and blah blah blah. And there's someone available that you could go ahead and get that could change the team. They might be more willing to do so, and they can use the trade exception. They can use MPJ Bobo if they want, Maybe you know, or are you exactly? So I don't think it's the because if you would have signed Jeremy Grant. It, you could still trade Jeremy Grant, but you signed him. So what does that tell other free agents? Like, oh, you know, this guy signed a, a three-year deal with you, and then you just traded. So it, it, I, I think what's ha- what what's being set up is a big trade. Now, will it happen? Will they pull the trigger? It depends. I think it depends on MPJ. If MPJ is playing great. Then I don't think they're going to pull a trigger on a big trade. They might make a small one here and there, but it, now if MPJ is kind of the same as last year and he's like he's inconsistent and we still don't know if he can really take this team to next level, and there's someone out there that can take you to next level right then and there, like a James Harden or a Bradley Beal, maybe you make that move. So it's again, it, it's gonna be a wait and see with this team but until the trade deadline see who's available see if any big stars are available or any pieces that you think can really help the team and if mpj is playing how how is mpj playing and that will determine whether or not they go out and get someone like a james harden or a bradley beal or if they sit back they keep mpj because he's playing great bobo's playing well and maybe they use that because they got to use that trade exception uh, by the offseason next year. I think it lasts a year. So then you, maybe you sit pat until next offseason and you try and go out and get a, a, your power forward of the future. Then, you know, maybe you trade up right um, in the draft and you go out and get a power forward or whatever. Remember, they drafted a power forward too, that Najee kid. Yeah, bless you. So maybe he plays, maybe he's impressive. Yeah, and maybe. he impresses Coach Malone. So I think it's more of a wait and see. But again, yeah, the Jeremy Grant deal hurts, but I don't, I don't think it's as big of a deal as 
we we initially think. I I I think it might show in the playoffs. It might, but it depends. Because remember, you're getting Will back. MPJ might have a bigger role, and he might be really good. So that can cover for what Jeremy Grant did. Because remember, the Nuggets couldn't score. That was the problem in the playoffs. They couldn't score, and Jeremy Grant helped their defense. If yeah, MPJ but I mean, he also made out, key shots, too, down the stretch. Sure, I mean, there was games sure. where he was tough to watch, but there was also games where he had big shots for them. Sure, but if if MPJ works out to where what they think he's going to be, then that's going to cover for a lot of what Jeremy Grant did last year. Right. Because what, what have we talked about with this team? They need their third guy. If MPJ turns in their third guy and you have a fourth scoring option in, in a Will Barton, then and maybe Bo Bowl is coming off the bench giving you 10, 15 a night, then all of a sudden, you know, yeah, your defense might be a little worse. But if Jermichael Green is playing really well defensively, he's six foot eight, 227. If he's playing really well defensively and maybe not as great as Grant, but he's close, then all of a sudden you're like, well, this team is actually better because they can score more consistently and you have a third reliable option and Jermichael Green is playing good enough. If that's the case, then they're fine. But again, it all rides on MPJ, and yeah. that's the problem, is keeping keeping Jeremy Grant would have allowed you to not have to rely on MPJ as much this year. You but now you feel about all now this, you're, though. Now like. you're... Well, that, and that's the problem. That's the problem with losing Jeremy Grant, is is it it, re, it it goes back to a lot of ifs with MPJ and Bo Bull. Not just with MPJ, but I don't think Jermichael Green will ever be close to the defender that... that jeremy grant is but i get what you're saying we'll i think this we'll, we'll see oh, this we didn't has... think jeremy grant was as good of a defender as he was right well I, I yeah i didn't know i didn't know he could play defense like that but i think this to your point this will hurt more short term than long term this there, there right. this could be a situation where good comes out of this where it forces the nuggets to figure out what you have an mpj and i think it should force them to ride or die really with his mistakes and his growing pains because i think he can get through it he has the talent it's just getting the experience of playing in the league more more of that down and learning the game more like i was watching the other night um an overtime video on on youtube and it was kevin durant uh, uh, breaking down film of of rookies from years past up to this year, and he was talking with the rookies. And one thing he kept saying, kept saying over and over again, is you have all the talent, you just need to learn the game, the nuances of the game. I think that's what MPJ needs to do. He has all the talent. He's running around like a baby, you know, Bambi unicorn out there. Uh, his legs are too long, so he's sometimes just falling on the ice. But when he gets up and he starts striding and galloping, you're like, oh my god, look how beautiful he looks. Um, but it's just, I think they'll be fine, but this will force the Nuggets to have a year in which they just kind of figure things out. And I think they needed that because I'm not sure if Michael Malone would have did that if he had all of his usual guys, if he had the Jeremy Grant to rely on defensively, if he had Torrey Craig to, to bring in for MPJ because he's not defending well. I don't know if he does that. So this could be a good thing in the long run, but in the short term, it's going to hurt for sure. Uh, well, and, and look, I I don't mind the Jer the the Michael Green pickup because I'm looking at his numbers. Well, he's definitely he's better offensively. He's a, he's a solid offensive piece. He can he's, definitely he's spot a, up. He's a much better shooter. He's a forty percent three point shooter. 
uh, in just 20 minutes per game, he averaged seven points per game and six rebounds. Uh, and, and that was in a small role. The last time he had a bigger role in which he started, uh, he, he, he started, he, his per 36 was 16 and 10. So I think you're getting, I think with Jermichael Green, you're getting a, a younger Paul Millsap. Maybe a slightly better shooter than than a Paul Millsap. He's he's more of a he he's gonna defend those power forwards. I think a little bit better than what Jeremy Grant could do, and he adds rebounding. They were getting killed on the glass against the Lakers. That was because because Jeremy Grant was a he's a bad rebounder. Jeremy Grant is a terrible rebounder. At six foot nine, six foot ten, you cannot as and plain. At the power four position, you cannot get three rebounds per game. That cannot happen. And you know, Jer- Jeremy Grant has been that guy his whole career. So it's that was a issue, and it, that was a big issue in the playoffs. You're getting a guy. I think you're getting a better rebounder, a better defender against bigs. Because remember, uh, Jeremy Grant was smaller. He could get pushed around a bit by a, a guy like Anthony Davis. Um, and I think you're getting a, a more consistent shooter. I think, look, Jeremy Grant didn't want to fit that role, right? Because he wanted more, he wanted a bigger role. I think Jermichael Green is going to fit that role perfectly. And that's why they went out and, and got him. Uh, and, and you also can move him later on for another guy that maybe is better that can fit the role even better. Right. So I don't think. I think it was a good plan B. You never want to have to go to your plan B, but I think it was actually a really good plan B. And, and this Hartstein kid, from all I've heard on, you know, reading about him on Twitter, guys, you know, talking about him, uh, guys from Houston saying that 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 loss for Houston kind of sucks because now that they want to go back to playing more big, they like this kid. Uh, I think that's a nice little pickup. Um, so. Again, it's more of it's we're we're back to where they were a couple years ago, where they they went out and got Mason Plumley, and you're like, okay, we'll see how that works out. Um, and it was more of you know trading for a Jeremy Grant, who I remember when the trade happened last year, and I was like, who? But the more and more you looked at him, the more and the more you were like, oh, okay. And then he played, and you're like, okay, right? So I, I think that's we're more in that situation. I think Jermichael Green is more of we know what he's going to give them and it's not bad for a starting four. I think he fits his role in that starting lineup really well. And with this Hartstein kid, we'll see. But maybe, you know, maybe it's Bo Bowl instead. But one of those two have to have a nice little role coming off the bench for this team. Yeah. Maybe both. And I'm not trying to say that Jermichael's a bad player. I think... He's a solid role player for what you need. And it just, Jeremy Grant fits so well. I just don't know if Jermichael fits that as well as Jeremy did. But I mean, you never know. We, we, well, we remember, still have to wait Jeremy and see Grant came off the bench. Sure, he did. So, well, and then he eventually know. started in the playoffs, though, and, and played a but he started role. at But he started at the three. Right. right. They don't, I, they don't, I don't think, I don't think they loved him starting at the four. And I think that was an issue. I think there was a good chance 
that later on the year, if they had uh, kept Jeremy Grant, that he would have been the starting three and they would have gotten out, gone out and got someone to start at the four and had MPJ coming, coming off the bench. That, could, that was a very good possibility of that happening. So what they needed was a true power forward, a guy that can play at the four, that can give you what you know Millsap gave you two years ago. I think that's what they needed, and I think Jermichael Green can give them that. I don't. I, I'm telling. I the more and more I've looked at it, the more and more I've looked at Jermichael Green, and and the it again, it all comes down to MPJ. It really does. But if MPJ doesn't work out, I think he's still young enough to where you can go out and get a star by trading MPJ. A lot rides on him. They're in an okay position. But again, it all rides on MPJ. It's not complete doom and gloom. Like They'll be fine. They'll be a good team. They'll be a playoff team. It just might be a year. You know That window might possibly, we never know, but possibly might be extended a year ahead. Well, and, and... and in we'll my mind, too, this was never the a year where the window was open. In my mind, it just wasn't. I I'm in the mindset of you have to wait out LeBron. I'm still in that mindset. I've, you know, so LeBron hasn't hasn't he's made it to the NBA Finals every year he's made the playoffs for the last decade. So you know that it's it's just in my mind you're not going to get past LeBron. I think they would have been able to if they would have kept. Jeremy Grant, I really do, but we'll see how it goes. A lot of, uh, even though they they are probably being forced to do it, a lot is going to be riding on MPJ and and his development, and and hopefully he can turn out to be that guy. But that's going to do it for us today. Also, before we go, uh, the Nuggets might have gotten uh, mini Jokic uh, in the point guard. Uh, oh yeah, I think yeah. Fasundo Campazo is his name from from uh, Real Madrid. My goodness, some of those passes that guy makes, like if he actually gets some legit playing time, which I'm sure he probably will on the court. I don't know how that's going to, you know, mesh with Monte and all that, but the, the the passing next year might be insane. Like those guys might have, you know how you have like dance battles. Those guys might have pass battles. I, I just Jokic is like, you don't want to test me in this ring. Don't try <laughs> me. I will win this. And then he just won't shoot. So I don't now. Now I'm going through this in my mind. I don't know if this is a good idea because now he <laughs> might not shoot at all because he just wants to impress with his passing. We'll see how it goes. Well, but- I don't know if I don't know. A lot of people are super excited about this. I I don't I don't think he's going to play much. I think Monte's a and, and here's the thing. He's five foot ten, five foot eleven. I yeah. defensively, he's going to struggle and. So he'll definitely you know, get more minutes in the regular season than he would in the playoffs. Yeah. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. So he'll yeah. probably get like, you know, eight to 10 minutes in the regular season and then come playoffs. He's probably just going to ride the bench. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe he has an impact. You never know because it's Isaiah Thomas dominated the league. The, the, look, looked up this heart. The, this heart sign kid is, is intriguing. I'll have to give him a peek because I didn't even know they signed him yesterday. So. Houston didn't refuse to play him because obviously they were, they went small ball. Uh, that's an that's an interesting one and look until this front office proves otherwise you have to trust them you have to trust them yep i mean it's not the broncos they know what they're doing they know what they're doing 
Yeah. So we'll see. And, and Tim, we trust unless he, he failed this thing completely. Then there will be some furniture moving over at Ball Arena. I can't believe I just <laughs> called it Ball Arena. I'm, That's going to do it for us today. We thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, whether you're listening via Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts, we always appreciate you. For Brandon Stoll on the other side, I'm Stephen Preach Jr. This has been the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. Hey.